happen today. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. You can be seated. Hallelujah. It's pretty simple. Uh, God made it simple. It's that we have to live it, and some days are not as simple as others. How many of you found that out? <laughs> today we're going to finish the series on the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, I just encourage all of you that are here today, if you don't pray in the Holy Spirit, uh, you just ask God. Just ask God. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk just a little bit about that today, but uh, not in detail. But it's a very important. Paul said, I pray with my understanding. And then I pray in the spirit. And if he wrote two thirds of the New Testament and he needed to pray in the Holy Ghost in order to do what he did, I think it would be good if we continue to seek God in that arena. And I can tell you this, when when I was prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, immediately I began to pray in other tongues. It isn't just for people who are super spiritual. It's not just for certain people and not for others. It's a tool. It's the thing God gave us. It says that when we pray in the Holy Ghost, we build ourselves up in our most holy faith. And I don't know about you, but every day I need to be built up in my faith because there's so many things that are looking at me, uh, trying to stare me down that it's only my faith that will cause me to please God, number one, but also cause me to take possession of those things that God has promised for me, for this church, for my family. And so I encourage you, if you not pray, if you do not pray in the Holy Spirit, just say, God, I want everything you have for me. And then get ready. Everybody say, get ready. <laughs> I can remember, and I think I've told this story when my sister, my youngest sister, Lisa, uh, she was newly married, and, and my husband and I were going to Michigan City, and we had her with us. We were going up to see my uncle, and she was asking us about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she had seen, you know, she'd invited me once to come speak to her college friends. And they all got filled with the Holy Ghost that night. A lot of them praying in the Holy Ghost. Not all of them, but most of them. And she had witnessed that, you know. And so she was talking about it and said, I, I, just, don't know if I, I just don't know if I could do it. And uh, my husband said, oh, Lisa, one day you're just going to be driving your car. And the Holy Spirit's going to come, and you're just going to begin to pray in, in the Spirit. Well, she just, you know, we went on. That wasn't the day. But one day she called us. She was driving from Indianapolis to Kokomo on Highway 35, and she was going up to teach. And she was just singing her worship songs, and she said, all of a sudden I was singing in words I didn't understand. The Holy Spirit came into her car and filled her with his power and uh, her life was never the same again so you know when we open ourselves god just has the ability to do whatever it is he wants to do today we're going to be talking and we're finishing up the series today on the holy spirit but uh i think i've got the wrong message up here i did i grabbed the wrong one well let's just turn to john 16 13 through 15 heather will you go back and get it off my desk i think i could do it without it because i'm going to talk about courage today everybody say courage you know, um, God has called us to be a courageous people. Uh, when Joshua was commissioned by God uh, to take the children of Israel into the promised land, uh, the very first chapter of Joshua, his instructions to him were, first of all, I will be with you as I was with Moses. He said, I will never leave you. I will always be with you and I will stand with you. Then he said, only be, everybody say only be, only be strong and 
courageous. And so today as we talk in John 16, and if we could put that up, this is the scripture that the whole series was based on. When the spirit of truth comes, which is the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. You know, all of us want to know, you know, where we're going and God will show us where we're going, but he'll even give us specific details of things that we're going to encounter so that when they happen, God's already prepared us for that so that we're able to overcome in that situation. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Now, the Holy Spirit is um, in every believer. He's in all of us this morning. You know, when we begin to worship, uh, we worship in spirit. God said that in John chapter 4. There'll come a day where you'll worship me in spirit. And so when we begin to worship, the Holy Spirit is helping us all the time. Everybody say helping me. And so when we get out of our head and into our heart, then we begin to express our love for God in a way that we can't really explain in our in our head. I don't know about you, but I can't explain why I love Jesus and, and how much he loves me with words that explain it to people that they can understand. But in my heart, I know that God has made a way for me. He's made a way for you. I know that every day he's going to lead me in that way, and I'm going to know what to do in every situation. So uh, I, when we look at, let's turn to Romans this morning. We're going to just, I'm just going to lead you through some things that I believe will help encourage you to walk in courage. Now, <clears throat> I don't know about you. I was never a very courageous person. Um, you know, I would be the person who would always be saying, I, I can't do that. How many of you have ever, I I can't, that was just natural things, let alone the things God, when God began to tell me to do things, I thought, I know I can't do that, but it's the Holy Spirit in us that encourages us. Everybody say encourages us. And in that word encourage is the word courage. And so the courage that we get to do what God's called us to do, and I believe in the future, there's some things God's going to ask us to do that are going to take a lot of courage. And I'm going to show you from the word of God today how that works, because I believe we have a good example in the book of Acts. But let's look at Romans 8, 1, and it says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Many, many Christians live in condemnation, and instead of recognizing that they've been delivered from condemnation, but there is a thing called conviction. Everybody say conviction. And the Holy Spirit uses that in our life to bring us where we need to be in the things of God. Now, um, in my life, there's been many times when even I'd be up here sharing that the Holy Spirit would convict me of something, and I would have to correct what I said or explain it differently because the Holy Spirit knows exactly what the mind of God is. And so when we're in a position where we're sharing the things of God, we need to know the mind of God and not what we think about that situation. And there is no condemnation. Everybody say no condemnation. It says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You know, in uh, Romans chapter, I think it's six, it says that we no longer sin. And I remember when I first read that, I thought, well, I do. (laughs) Something's wrong. You know, I thought I've made mistakes. I've done the wrong thing. So how can it say I no longer sin? Well, what it's saying is sin has no dominion over me. 
So I have a choice every day to live by the spirit, the life-giving spirit that has freed me from that domination of sin that's in the world, or I can choose to go with what the world's going with. So it's not that I don't ever make a mistake. It's that it has no power to hold me because of I've been freed. Turn your neighbor and say, we're free. The Bible says, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. That doesn't mean that we're not going to be in positions where we make choices that put us, you know, in a place where we would sin. But thank God for repentance. Everybody say repentance. So it goes on and it says, I want to read down in verse 5. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled, everybody say controlled. Controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Everybody say peace. You know, the peace of God that that, uh, is talked about in the book of John is not a peace that comes from everything being all right. It's from being controlled by the Holy Spirit. It's having our thoughts controlled by him. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Now, I'm giving you this little bit of background today because the Holy Spirit has given us power. Everybody say power. But that power is under control. The control of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, many of you may have met controlling people. How many of you have been with someone who's very controlling? This is, this is the definition. To control, to direct the behavior of a person, to cause a person to do what you want, uh, to have power over. Uh, you know, and I just saw this in the dictionary, a control freak. This is that person. A person who has a strong need to control people or how things are done. You know, the long, a long time ago, the Lord showed me people who have to control everything are very insecure. Because if, if they get out of control, then they get real insecure, like, what's going to happen? So it really is a, a need in their life to be healed from that insecurity and know that if the Holy Spirit's in control, everything's okay. Everybody say, everything could be okay if the Holy Spirit's in control. Because the peace of God begins to rule in our heart. So the control of the Holy Spirit, it says, you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. We have to remember in the day we're living in, when you hear media, when you hear news, when you talk to people at your work, when you're in situations with an unbeliever, that they are not in any way influenced by the Holy Spirit of God because they do not have the Holy Spirit. So all they know is what they know in their head. That's why they can believe this way this month and a year from now totally believe something else because they're swayed by only what they hear and what they process in their mind. They are not controlled at all by the Holy Spirit of God. They're controlled, but they're controlled by the world. So in verse 11, it says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That is such a powerful scripture. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, there was a lot of power there, lives in each one of us. That's a lot of power that lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. The King James says he will quicken your mortal body. That means that in any situation, we can hear from the spirit of God what to do. Have you ever done something and thought, oh, 
I should have listened first. The, the ability to hear is always there. He will quicken you immediately, quicken me, quicken us to what we need to say, what we need to do, even if we don't understand it. And then it goes on in verse 13, for if you live by the dictates of the, of the sinful nature, you, you will put to death, oh wait, if you live by the spirit, through the power of the spirit, you will put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. You will live for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. I asked that that song be sung before I shared this morning. You are a child of God. Say, I am a child of God. So if you're a child of God, then through the power of the spirit, you can put to death the deeds of the sinful nature that all of us have. You know, when you got born again, you, you had lived a certain way before that. And in that place, you, you did not have any power to overcome what the enemy would try to do in your life or things that you would want to do that aren't the right thing. But once you have the Holy Spirit, we have power. Everybody say power to overcome in those situations. So it says in verse 15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. You know, when you adopt someone, they have the identical rights of the children that are your natural children. And it says, now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to confirm or affirm that we are God's children. And since we're his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Everybody say, that's amazing. You know how one day when you pray to receive Christ, you immediately become a joint heir with Jesus. That means everything that was available to him is now available to you. Isn't that great? Now, I know we don't all live in this, but this is the truth of the word of God. Now, we're also in a position where the Holy Spirit will help us when we pray. It says that right here. And the Holy Spirit helps us, verse 26, in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So when we pray in the Spirit, then we begin to pray the perfect will of God beyond what we can understand. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of situations I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. In this church, in all the years that we've been in ministry, we have heard so many situations and circumstances in people's lives that you just think you're right there is no way out of this but when you begin to pray in the holy spirit it's like you become enlightened to things that you didn't even ever think in your natural mind why because this holy spirit is there to help us when we pray to know how to pray because if you pray the will of god he will do it everybody say if you pray the will of god it will be done it will be done because God will perform his word. And so the Holy Spirit is there to help us. It also says in verse 31, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be uh, against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? You know, God is the one who's through the Holy Spirit convincing us. It says in verse 38, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. You know, I ask you that question today. Are you convinced that nothing you do will ever separate you from the love of God? That is a peaceful life. That is saying, I don't ever have to fear because nothing that happens, no matter what I do, no matter how bad I mess up, God is still going to love me. 
Now, I can't say that about a lot of people about me. Can you say that? How many of you know sometimes people's love is very conditional? But God's love is not like that. Is, is he going to be pleased with our actions? Not necessarily, because it says faith pleases God. But even if we mess up, he's going to be there to help us get up and do what we need to do. So nothing. It goes on and says, death nor life angels and our demons neither our fears for today nor our worries for tomorrow we preach in this church all the time cast all your fear but i'm telling you today if you have fear god still loves you could i just say that again because some people feel so condemned because they're fearful that then they they begin to feel like god is upset with them god is not upset with you he loves you but god wants you to have victory So he doesn't want you to walk in fear because fear attracts the devil. Okay. So, but God continues to love us. Uh, Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I'm telling you, the love of God will keep you no matter what you have to walk through. No matter what we have to do in our nation, what's coming, I'm not afraid of who's going to be the president because according to my Bible, the president's never been in charge. I mean, I'm reading the word. I'm not reading the journal courier. According to the word of God, my God is in charge of the entire earth. He created it. He owns it. And it says in Psalm 24, he owns everything in it. So... We, we need a good president. Don't misunderstand. We need good congressmen. We need good senators. But as the people of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to change things. So, you know, we need to keep on task to what our calling is and let the rest of them, whatever they feel to do, that's between them and God. But we stay on task. If we're told to pray for the president, we pray for the president. If we're told to vote this way, we vote this way. We are totally controlled. Everybody say controlled by the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. That does not mean we're a puppet. It means we want to do what God wants us to do because we understand that when we're obedient, the blessing is there. Not just for us, but our family and everybody else. So God, in his infinite wisdom, made a way for every one of us to walk in that place that God's called us to walk. Now, the Holy Spirit's power um, and his love, if they're always with us, then we have nothing to fear and we can be everything God wants us to be. And we can be courageous. Everybody say courageous. In other words, we can do whatever God says without any concern about what man will be able to do to us. If God be for me, who can be against me? And that brings courage. And uh, as I was looking at this message, um, the Holy Spirit his, the courage that we get from the Holy Spirit, if you turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when it said in Acts 1, 8, Jesus was speaking, and he said, you will receive power. Everybody say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, the book of Acts is really, um, in the teachings I had in Tulsa, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That's what the whole book is about, the Acts of of the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, when Jesus left, he said, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I will ask my father. He will give you the Holy Spirit. He will always be with you. And in the book of Acts, Jesus said, 
you, in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. Do you know it takes courage to be a witness? That's what the Holy Spirit gave us, the ability to witness for Jesus. And then it goes on and says, receive the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You know, I am guilty of not doing that everywhere. I don't know about the rest of you, but, you know, I have courage put within me through the Holy Spirit to be able to talk about Jesus to anybody, anywhere, or the things of God, or what I believe at any time because I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. So I am courageous. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are courageous. <laughs> it, you know, sometimes we don't feel courageous, but the Holy Spirit, that's not in the feeling realm. That's in the spiritual realm. And the signs, wonders, and miracles that we're looking for come through doing what the Holy Spirit tells us to do with courage. Everybody say with courage. And so as I was reading, you know, I love the book of Acts because I think it's the way we're supposed to act. I think it is the example that the church has of what the church of the Lord Jesus Christ should look like in the earth today. It was immediately after Jesus left that this church was brought forth. And one of my favorite scriptures is in chapter, it's chapter 2 in verse 14. Because they all went, you know, they had to make a decision about who was going to be the other disciple because of Judas, and he was gone, so they had to pick the 12th. But it says in verse 14, Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. You know, that, to me, is the greatest example of courage in the Bible, because this man, Peter, had denied Jesus three times in front of other people. He had said, I do not know the man. And in that place, it's a perfect example that God never gives up on the people he's called. And Peter was called by God. And in the King James, it says, Peter stood up. And I remember years ago when I first started pastoring and uh, Pastor Bill started doing a lot in the Sudan, God told me the most important thing for you now is to have courage. I thought, I have none. <laughs> How's that for a start? And, you know, it was like, I, I don't have courage for that. You know, I had courage for leading worship because God had, I'd experienced God in that arena of my life, but I had not experienced God in having to be preaching every Sunday and come with a word that I believe is the current manna from the spirit of God. Do you know, you can get books on what sermon to preach. There's, there's books out there right now that uh, in, in many denominational churches where there's a book and it tells you what to preach. This is the third Sunday after this, and this is the fourth Sunday before that. This is what your message is supposed to be. Not that those don't have power because they do have power, but in this church, we believe we're supposed to have the message the Holy Spirit has, the current manna for where we are in the world for this congregation. It may not be the sheep in another church, but for the people in this church, we need the current word. So I had no courage for that, a zero courage. And, uh, and so when God said, that's the most important thing you need right now, I thought, well, you better get, download it quickly because my day's coming and I got to have this courage. Well, you know, God, when God spoke that to me, it was a couple of years before I had to do it. And he began to talk to me about courage. And uh, he gave me this saying about myself. Now, some of you have heard this uh, story, but uh, it was, to me, it was my Pentecost Sunday. I was already filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, 
I already knew the Spirit of God. I wasn't reading through the Bible every every year uh, like I should. I would, you know, hit and miss. But from that time on, I, I was in it every day, just like I, God told me to be. But I began to hear this, this saying I was supposed to say about myself due to the fact that I heard Rush Limbaugh on the radio. Now, uh, Rush Limbaugh is, you know, I'm not saying he's right or wrong. I'm just saying I did not like him saying, on loan from God. I am Rush Limbaugh, on loan from God. And one day I was sitting in the Macy's parking lot. My husband ran in the store. I'm sitting there, and I'll be dipped if that guy didn't come on the radio. And I thought, well, Pastor Bill isn't here. I'm turning him off. And uh, (laughs) so I turned him off. But right away I heard, well, you're on loan from God. I thought, well, I'm not going to tell anybody. (laughs) I mean, why would I say that? You know, because I I don't say those things about my, you know, I know I'm here to do your work. You know, I'm always glad to serve the Lord, but I'm not going to be shouting to anybody. I'm on loan from God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Look up here. I got the answer. No, I'm not going to say that. And so God really had to change my thinking because when you're in a position of authority, you are on loan from God for that moment. While I'm up here this morning, I am under God's direction, not mine which is a great responsibility. It isn't like I can get up here and tell you what I think. I can tell you what the word says. And a lot of people preach just what they think. I hear them, but we're called to, we're called to go by the word of God and judge things righteously. Everybody say righteously. And so, uh, this is what I heard. I was supposed to say over myself and I did it for two years. I was just saying it over myself as best I could. I didn't tell anybody else. But I said it over myself. I am Pam Mickler, a person of influence, pushing back the frontier of ignorance around the world, preaching and singing the gospel of Jesus Christ the Lord with a torch of love in my hand. I am tearing down strongholds, lifting up the banner of righteousness, and declaring victory everywhere I go. Today, God is revealing himself to me as possessor of heaven and earth and as El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. Hallelujah. Now, I didn't make this up. I heard this. I heard this because after I got, you know, chastised, disciplined, told not to say, then I, you know, things about other people, you know, I'm not the judge of Rush Limbaugh, but I was supposed to begin to confess over myself what God wanted me to be. Well, none of this is who God wanted. I mean, this is, none of this is who I thought I could be, but it's who God wanted me to be. Now, you know, we, we sometimes think, well, that's just, not, that's just not my personality. Well, it, too bad for you. Because God isn't interested in what's your personality. He's interested in his personality. And he's going to use who you are and everything you are, your personality and all your intellect and all those things, to be who he's called you to be. But under the control. Everybody say, under the control. Under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. And so this was my assignment. Now, it's pretty, it's pretty torn up. And I keep it in my Bible, and on a bad day, I read it to myself. Why? Because this is what God told me to say about myself. Do I feel like this every day? Uh, no. Do, do I look like I feel like this every day? Uh, no. You can ask Pastor Bill. <sighs> Some days I don't look like this at all. Sometimes there's so many circumstances 
that are facing me that I have to make decisions about, that I have no clue what to do, that I have to say, I am Pam Mickler. I do know that's true. A person of influence pushing back the frontier of ignorance around the world. I thought, ooh, that's bold, God. Preaching and singing the gospel of Jesus Christ the Lord with a torch of love in my hand. Now, I'd already been told about the torch. I'm tearing down strongholds, lifting up the banner of righteousness, declaring the victory everywhere I go. Today, God, now this is how I do it. Today, God is revealing himself to me as possessor of heaven and earth and as El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. After about a year of this, God began to give me all these songs. And some of you may remember him. I, we would sing him. Uh, he is always enough. He began, every, when I would go to the piano, I would hear songs. It came directly, I believe, out of this. See, when you begin to be who God called you to be, all of you, all of us need to know what is God saying about you. What is, this is not your confession necessarily, but there is a confession that God wants you to be saying over yourself because it allows you to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and not your flesh, even on a bad day. And I'm, I'm saying there have been, in fact, more bad days in the natural that looked that way once I started saying this than before I did. Why? Because the devil wanted to get my word. And I have to tell you, some days he got it. You know, some days, I, sometimes I think I understand how David felt. Because I go down to the river and I read the word of God. Then I cry and get upset about things. And by the end of the time I'm down there, I'm rejoicing and come out of there. And I think if somebody didn't know better or know me, they think I had bipolar disease or something. Because I go from all this gamut of emotions till I finally end up here. And I think, dear God, this isn't the way I was when I got here. And, you know, as soon as I come in the building, everything starts happening. Some good, some not so good. But if I go in the morning, I can make it through the day and still be where I'm supposed to be at the end of the day. If I don't do that, if I start doing things before I get that, I am in big trouble. Why? Because you have to stay connected to the Holy Spirit every second. And you got to start that way in order to end that way. Amen. Okay, I'm clear off my notes. Now, that's, uh, that, that, this is the story that just amazes me because it's Peter and John. They, the man gets healed. He, you know, Peter just comes along, and, and, you know, this is the guy who's denied Jesus, but now he stood up in the middle of everything, announced what's going on. This is that which the Holy Spirit spoke about in the book of Joel by the prophet Joel. This is that, he says. This is where the power of the Holy Spirit comes, and people begin to prophesy. Your young women, your older women, your young men, your older men, begins to prophesy all this stuff, and 3,000 people get saved right on the spot. This is from a guy who denied Jesus just here back about 40 some days ago. Are you getting this? See, so there's hope for all of us. I mean, this isn't like he went to Bible school for 12 years and just now woke up and said, I got it. This is like 40 days after he denies Christ. And he was quite a big mouth all the time he was with Christ. Anyway, he always had the best ideas, uh, even corrected Jesus once in the, in the gospel. And so, you know, here we got this guy who really, he, he thinks a lot of himself. And so when he, but by the time he gets to Acts chapter 3, there's this lame guy. And this is what he, the lame guy looks at him, it says in verse 5 of chapter 3, looks at him eagerly, expecting some money. 
You know, there's people looking at you today expecting one thing, and you're about to give them something else. Could I just say that again? They're looking for you to give them one thing, and you're about to give them a whole other thing, much more powerful. And so it says, Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. I I wasn't there, but in my experience, I'm sure he was as surprised as the guy who got up. I mean, it's like that with God. You know, you say what God tells you to say, and suddenly it happens, and you think, well, by gosh, that did work. Look at that. Look what God did. I mean, it's amazing. You know, I I was with um, Pastor Sharon Doherty. I'll never forget it in Washington, D.C., one of the first times I traveled with her. And, you know, I didn't know her very well, but now with me also, like my husband, she tried to get the cab driver to pray with her, and he did by the end. And then we got in this elevator, <laughs> and she, she, was, she wasn't going to let that guy out of that elevator till he got saved. You, you know, I've never been that bold, but, but that's, this is the kind of boldness, you know, that it takes to see the miraculous. You know, if we want to see the miraculous, it isn't about just coming here and sitting on Sunday morning. I mean, that's not going to get it. That won't get it. What gets it is this unbelievable humility that says, well, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I have, you know, Jesus, uh, in the name of Jesus, here, rise up and walk to a person who's been lame all his life. And suddenly the guy gets up and starts walking. And what the, what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the rulers all said was, that was a notable miracle. Everybody say notable. That was a notable, you know, by golly, we all saw that. And uh, that was a miracle because that, that guy couldn't walk. But this is what it says when Peter had everybody's attention because it says the crowd was amazed in verse 12. It says Peter saw his opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. His opportunity and address the crowd. And he began to tell them, people of Israel, what is so surprising about this? And why stare it at us all as though we made this man walk by our own power of godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus Christ by doing this. It goes on in verse 16. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Now, you'd think everybody would be glorifying God and so excited. However, they arrested him. They put him in jail. They put him and John in jail. And it says in verse 4, while Peter and John were speaking to the crowd, they were confronted by the priest. The religious people, the captain of the temple guards, and some of the Sadducees. They're sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection. Hallelujah. Um, And then it goes on down, and they demand, it says in verse 7, by what power or in whose name have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, we are being questioned today because we have done a good deed for a crippled man. Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus, the man you crucified. I'm sure they love this part, but whom God raised from the dead for Jesus is the one referred to in the scripture when it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. In other words, Jesus came for you, the Jews, but because you would have nothing to do with him, he has gone to the Gentiles and he's going to the Gentiles. And these miracles are done by the one you crucified. 
And I'm sure they said, oh, well, we're real sorry. No, they didn't say that. This is what it says. They said, uh, it says, we can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign. This is the, in the New Living, but in the King James, New King James, it says a notable miracle. And everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we, that's what they call the miracles of healing. We must warn them not to speak anyone, to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called him back in and commanded them never to speak that name. And Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Well, they finally released him. And it says in verse 28, but everything they did, everything that was coming against them was determined before according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give your servants great boldness. Everybody say boldness. It takes courage to be bold. And that courage comes out of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. It is not something we, man, you know, we, we really work ourselves up for. You know, I've been praying for three days and I'm about to witness to so-and-so. Well, you know, that's you. And uh, you might as well, you know, maybe not do that because I don't know if it's going to work. When God calls on you, it's, it's right at the moment. Have you ever felt it? I should say something. Well, I'll go home and pray about it. And, you know, if it's God, he'll confirm it to me. Well, there are things that God confirms. But when that anointing comes, if you don't move with the anointing, you will have no anointing. It's right at the moment it happens. That's what Peter and John, that's what they experienced. He says, we pray for boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this meeting... After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit makes the difference in every situation. You know, I'm going to give you one more, and then we have to stop real quick. In Acts 16, uh, I love this story, too. It's Paul and Silas. And, of course, you know, they (laughs) Paul got really, my Bible says, exasperated. (laughs) Have you ever been exasperated with someone? There was this woman who was possessed by demonic stronghold and the sorcerers used her she was a slave girl but she she had a spirit um, where she was enabled to tell people's fortune and so she was following along behind paul and she, and that spirit that was in her not her but it would speak through her and say these men are of god these men are from god these men are and paul it says in verse 18 this went on day after day until paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her i command you in the name of jesus to come out of her And it instantly left her. Well, what left her was the ability to do work for the enemy. And now because she couldn't do that work, now she was in big trouble with her boss. It would be like today a prostitute who no longer is going to be a prostitute and her pimp gets mad at her. To kind of bring it to your level, do you get that? going to be a bad day for her hallelujah and so says the whole city is in an uproar because of these jews they shouted to the city officials everybody said it's going to be a bad day (laughs) the whole the whole city is in an uproar because of the jews they shouted because because the jews they're because they're sharing paul and silas just cast the devil out of a girl how many of you know that's a day to rejoice and then it says they were severely beaten this was what they got for that And then they were thrown in prison, and the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. But around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, 
there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors that flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. God told me this morning, praise is Christians 911. Isn't that good? I got so excited. I thought, write it down, write it down. <laughs> Things slip away from me sometimes. You don't have that trouble, all of you. But sometimes I get so excited that I can't remember what I got excited. I mean, I remember what it was, but I can't remember. Praise is our 911. 